Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Radio Free for Fresher Wrestling, your home of smart and stunning for Fresher Wrestling debate. I am the stunning one, Sean, along with David the Smart Mark and Jake from the Windy City. Gentlemen, it has been an interesting week of wrestling news. How are you gentlemen doing this week? Bonjour! Oh, it's it been <laughs> this past week, uh, not just in wrestling, but, you know, in combat sports and sports in general. Uh, so, I mean, I feel uh, a little a little bit of the after effects, so we'll just see how it goes from here. <laughs> Sean, I've got to be honest, I'm sick this week. I actually watched SmackDown and Raw last night, and I don't feel very well. <laughs> well, Jim, let's see if I can cheer you up here during this hour of professional wrestling talk. And with that being said, let's go over to our control center so I can bring you up to date in the world of wrestling news. This is your Radio Free Pro Wrestling Control Center. All the wrestling news you need to know. Ladies and gentlemen, and David and Jake, I want to bring this to attention to you this past weekend. NWA World Champion and Hall of Famer Barry Wenham suffered a heart attack. He is currently in the ICU in Atlanta area hospital. I have linked a GoFundMe for Barry Wyndham's healthcare in our show notes. It's on our social media. If you're able to donate any money to Barry Wyndham, please do that for us, please. Yeah, it's a very uh, unfortunate situation and uh, pretty sad, too. I saw the news uh, last week. And, you know, Barry Wyndham, for those of you who don't know, um, in his prime, uh, definitely one of the most gifted talents uh, of all time in, in professional wrestling, uh, uh, had... Uh, multiple runs in the World Wrestling Federation in Florida, uh, in Jim Crockett promotions, uh, such as well, and obviously well-remembered matches uh, with Ric Flair, you know, legendary matches uh, with with uh, Ric Flair uh, for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, we want to send our best thoughts and wishes to Barry Windham. Uh, yep, as you mentioned, uh, his family has set up a GoFundMe page. Uh, it's always it's always sad seeing some of these instances where we've seen uh, we've seen these situations of someone battling their life, uh, their life, and the medical costs it comes right after uh especially here in the united states uh it's really a double whammy um seeing you know someone battling their life and then have to face the the burdens on them financially and nothing more much to say than to uh, wish the best for him yeah i just echo both of that from over here in the uk um grew up watching uh Wyndham on first time we got to see him really over here in the uk was when wcw worldwide was shown if you didn't if you weren't say like i was uh, a huge american 
wrestling fan, you didn't know who he was. So that was the first chance you got to look at him. And I echo what Jake said, those matches with Flair, even though you sort of knew he was never going to quite make it with Flair because it was just great storytelling. Um, yeah, uh, fantastic stuff. And yeah, wish him, his family, career all the well. So donate to the Just Giving page. Simple as that. Yes, I'd like to send my thoughts and prayers out to Barry Wyndham and his family. We will keep you informed of the situation next week on Radio Free Professional Wrestling. There's no easy way to transition, so I'm going to slide over to our second news story of the week. And it concerns one William Regal, because last time we saw him, gentlemen, he was getting knocked out by MJF on AEW TV. Apparently, his contract has come to an end. Connor has given him an out, and the sources are talking about him going back to the WWE. Gentlemen, your thoughts? So yeah, this was talk. Yeah, this was um, report on PW Insider and uh, and the Observer as well. Um, there's still a lot of questions surrounding what William Regal's deal was. You know, it's it's sort of unusual to have somebody come in for less than a year uh, and then to be able to make an exit like this. I mean, you know, there are a couple of options. You know, Regal originally stated that it was going to be a three-year deal. If that was <laughs> the case, then he's being let out early or there was some early out clause or it was a shorter trim deal than he was stating publicly. So those are, you know, some of the options what possibly uh, led to this. Pretty, yeah, I'm pretty curious to see and uh, what uh, what kind of role he'll have uh, if he does come back to, if the rumors are correct, if he does come back to WWE. Yeah, and uh, latest today, I've been, um, obviously I've got, he's one of my all-time heroes. I'm really, really interested in this. Jake, you're right again, he stated that he was there for three years, but it seems the latest today, literally prior to us recording, is that, the contract runs out in now. Whatever contract it was, whether it's been shortened, whatever you could make, you know, per many one from hundreds of permutations, um, is that he's out in December and he's expected to go backstage to the WWE in January and join Triple H in, in doing the mentoring, coaching and booking role that he did so well in NXT. Now, what is interesting is, now where he's got this information from, I don't know. I have a good idea, but I'm not going to say. Conan, on his podcast this week, talked about William Regal. In fact, it was only released 24 or 48 hours ago. And he stated that Regal came in with the best of intentions. um, But he was, and again, I'm only going by what's said on this podcast, irrelevant of my personal feelings, that he was extremely disappointed in the backstage the fact that no one wanted to listen, no one wanted to, to go down to the ring and be coached by him, um, etc. Conan's quite specific about this. I recommend you give it a good listen. Obviously, take it with a pinch of salt, because no one, re- you know, unless you're regal, you don't know the actual reasons that you've done this. But it's interesting, this is coming out more and more, that the, the crop of AEW superstars do not want to listen or be coached or seem to be improved seem to be, I choose my words carefully, and Regal was very disappointed in that, didn't like it, and so therefore, but apparently the, the literally, the being taken off in the ambulance has, is like a, almost like a soap opera death, it's given him an out, so he can, if he ever came back, he could come back and be in a feud, um, but he's gone, that's, he will not be seen on television again, certainly for the foreseeable future. Hopefully he'll someone address this on his podcast, uh, on yes. on adfreeshows.com. Uh, Maybe he won't, you know, ex- uh, explain like you know the the exact reasons, like specifically behind the scenes. But hopefully he'll mention it uh, at least somewhat uh, in the near future. I would say it'll probably be till next year, though, Jay. It's a very good point. 
point because on the Gentleman Villain podcast, he is very candid about everything. Whether he'll be allowed, we all know Tony likes an NDA. So you don't know, maybe that's part of him getting out early. Um, so, you know, that he doesn't speak about the reasons why he wanted to leave or has left. But, you know, we can only speculate on that. But yeah, it's a very good point. But I certainly can't couldn't see that happening until January and he's clear. Mm-hmm. I mean, we look at Cody Rhodes, for example. Uh, we don't we don't know, like, the exact reasons. Uh, why left AEW? Well, he did say it on his end. Like, he has specific goals that he wanted to reach. Uh, but as far as, like, you know, the backstage aspect of things, like, you know, we were still speculating to this day, so. Okay, gentlemen. Let's slide over to our third news story of the week. And it's concerning one Dustin Rhodes, as he has gone out and announced that 2023 will be his final year in the ring. I have basically grown up with Dustin Rose being in a wrestling ring. I remember him as the natural Dustin Rose in WCW when he first started with his dad. Now to see him come to Anne, going through Goldust, going through Black Rain, and finally coming to AEW and having this amazing run at the end as Dustin Rose, I'm really happy for him to have this good ending to his career. I mean, he's in his 50s now, and then to still have you know some uh, some interesting matches to the to this day, uh, it's really a testament to him and how how good he is. Uh, we all know that uh, he's gone through a lot of up, uh, um, tons of ups and downs, but uh, yeah, I agree with you, Sean. Um, look, I I grew up watching him as Goldust uh, in, in the 2000s, and uh, you know, at first at first I wasn't really connected to him the for uh, like you know the, the first uh, run that he's had, uh, but uh, I will never forget. Um, he had an amazing run, oh, amazing run as a tag team with uh, with Cody uh, back in the early early 2010s, uh, and ha- had that amazing match against the Shield uh, in in uh, back in 2013. So and and how fun it was, and yeah, I mean, can can specify it enough. So it's a great testament to him, and uh, and what a remarkable run! Like you know, there has never been anyone else like Dustin Rhodes. I mean, he truly is a natural, and has tapped into like you know the emotions and entertain us for so long. So props to him. Yeah, Echo, it's almost like a um, testimonial year for him. He can pick and choose what he wants. Um, Like you said, I I first saw him going back to the WCW Worldwide days of The Natural and going, oh, that's Dusty Rhodes' son. And then when he moved over to Goldust uh, Goldust and uh, actually realising we just started to get Raw permanently live and not on a, not on a, 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 you know, a, a cut feed again, and it's like, oh, hang on, that's Dustin. And re- remembering how he hated the Goldust character, um, certainly initially, but he embraced it, and it's typical of the man that he made it work eventually. Like you, you said, Jake, you didn't like it at first, and I think a lot of people did it because <laughs> it was an openly gay character, even though he had Marlena um, as, as such on his arm. It, you know, it was a character that he had to really, really make work, and that's testament to his ability. And bear in mind, as he leaves AEW, he is responsible for one of the best matches in AEW history, which was early doors against his brother Cody, that helped develop the fact that, yeah, AEW can put some good matches on there, proper wrestling matches, and that that was a great piece of storytelling. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's nice to have that for him to, to maybe go out with. Uh, do you guys expect him, uh, uh, after the end of this run, uh, do you think uh, he's going to stick around in AEW, maybe behind the scenes in a backstage capacity, or do you think uh, he's probably going to leave after this and maybe uh, maybe work alongside Triple H as far as like in their in their creative aspect? If he's got any sense, he'll get a WWE. I mean, don't get me wrong, his talent and his um, his ability would be welcome at AEW, but 
I refer you gentlemen to my earlier statement about William Regal, and if that's true, then why, if they're not going to listen to Regal, they're going to listen to D Dustin. So we'd be better off going to WWE. Okay, so I agree with both of you guys. I feel like Goldust needs to belong in the WWE Hall of Fame, and having Dustin Rose and Antsy as one of your trainers, that along with Regal would be a powerhouse team to develop new wrestlers as you're going through the 2020s into the 2030s. That's a pretty good yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Okay, gentlemen. Our next news story concerns a couple of returns to WWE. I will start with the first one. Back on Friday Night SmackDown, coming back from some couple of really awful knee injuries, Tegan Knotts has made her return. We saw her come in and make a save for Liv Morgan as she was battling damage control. I'm kind of happy to see Tegan Knotts back in WWE. Yeah, when uh, Triple H took over uh, WWE Creative in July, uh, we've always talked about... Uh... Uh, him potentially re-signing stars that have been released under the previous regime. And, you know, there was a, lo um, a lot of names that were speculated about. You know, one of those names being Tegan Knox. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it was a pleasant surprise seeing her. And and, uh, and uh, it was a, a report on Fightful Select that uh, despite Tegan's return not being telegraphed eternally in the company, the deal for her to return has been made for some time. So uh, I thought she uh, she did pretty good in you know, fighting against, uh, trying to fight off uh, against damage control. And, uh, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty pleasant that, uh, to see her back. And any wrestler that comes out to sell a V by Bewitched gets my vote. So I'm glad she's back. That's an indie, <laughs> indie for you. If you get it, you'll know what I mean. Um, I, I, I always liked her as Nixon Neal. Um, she hasn't cut up many trees in the WWE, mainly because of injury, uh, which isn't her fault. So... Uh, I'm waiting, um, wait out with hope. Exactly, David. We wish her the best in this run in the WWE. We're hoping that she gets a chance to show what she can do, because if you go back and watch some of the stuff she did before she came into WWE, in a short period of time she was there in NXT, she's one of the best female professional wrestlers around the world, and she just had a run of bad luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 a little bit of a bad luck guy right there. So we'll see um, how she does over here uh, with with Hunter uh, with the book. So okay, Jimmy, last story of the week, and it's kind of an interesting story. If you watched Impact Wrestling last Thursday, they showed a homicide on TV because they written off Eric Young, and reports are Eric Young might be going back to WWE. Did you guys see the segment by chance? Uh, unfortunately, I did. I don't watch a, a ton of Impact Wrestling, but. I mean, this is definitely not what was like the last time I saw it. Uh, it was so I don't know how to ex I don't know how to uh, explain it. Like no words can describe this. Like it saw the like it saw Eric Young stabbed to death uh, by Diener, who seemingly took over as the leader of of his group. Uh, it, it, it's it has a it has a ton of Lucha Underground uh, vibes to it. I mean, it probably is the second the second. Uh, coming of Lucha Underground. Uh, it was kind of weird. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, PW Insider has reported that Young, who was part of the WWE and was part of those cuts during during that initial run in the height of COVID, um, is set to be coming back uh, to the WWE. Um, but it'll be pretty interesting to see uh, what's going to happen to him. But yeah, I mean, man, that, that segment last week at Impact, uh, goodness gracious. <laughs> it's, uh, it left like, oof. <laughs> like what was what the hell is going on here? <laughs> I've not seen it, and I really don't want to. If Eric Young's going don't. to WWE, don't, don't play to him. I don't mind Eric Young; he never offends me. I'm all up for a sanity reunion, um, but that's yeah. Jake, you've summed it up. I didn't see it, and I'm glad I didn't. 
<laughs> yeah. I, 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 yeah. I mean, it's Eric Young. I mean, he's he's up there. He's getting up there in age too. So um, yes. Uh, don't see him as like a like a very relevant, um, uh, very relevant star uh, in the WWE in WWE television at least. Um, he'll probably get some uh, some uh, decent programs here and there, but I don't see him as a uh, like a potential big star anyway. So <laughs> you know, guys, I got a feeling that he'll go back to NXT, and he could be one of those veterans, kind of like Cameron Grimes, where you have them working with the younger talent and getting them in ring experience. And I feel like Eric Young could be a good teacher in the ring. He could be a good coach in the ring and or, and a producer as well. So that'll be uh, that's that's a really good point to make. Well, gentlemen, that has been our control center for this week. We're going to slide <laughs> over to our sunny six questions, and I may cause a stir with one of my questions. So let's get right to this. It's time for the Stunning Six Questions. All of the whys and what have they done now? Hopefully, Sean and David can make sense of it. Gentlemen, stunning question number one. We already talked about it a little bit in the control center. What do we see as the future for Regal in the WWE since he has apparently left AEW? So, yeah, we did address a little bit, but uh, I think we should also talk about what did you think about the execution of his exit uh, with MGF turning his back, uh, you know, turning on on Regal. I'm going to say this, like, I know, like, there's a vast majority of people who did enjoy it. Uh, especially, you know, our, our good friends of uh, Mouth and Joe uh, at over at uh, Sunday night's main event. But, you know, after thinking about it and uh, thinking about it a little bit, uh, this segment didn't work for me for several reasons. Uh, number one, did Regal ever explain why he turned on Moxley? So uh, there was no logic to that turn, first of all. Well, and, and also, shouldn't Danielson and Moxley think Regal was a dope for trusting MJF? <laughs> F, so, uh, kind of made him a little bit of a fool right there. And and all, and also, Moxley never even gets revenge for being turned on. Uh, shouldn't he want to beat, you know, you know, Brian's ass and try and probably try to get to Regal? Like, after that, like, he, uh, Moxley basically just moved on uh, to Hangman Page. So, it was, yeah, it was kind of weird on that aspect. And also, like, MJF, like, I love him. Uh, he's such a gifted uh, individual. Uh, tons of charisma. Very talented on the mic. But at this point, like, the bidding war of 2024, as he always, as he's constantly putting out, I'm beginning to question if that's even real at this point. I mean, he because he said he's saying it too often. And also, does MJF need to mention the other side a lot? Uh, when does it lose steam as a way to get heat? You know what I'm saying? Like you're mentioning, oh, oh, jolly good St. Nick or the game trips. I mean, at some point, it's gonna really gonna turn people off uh, if he does if he continues to go that route. So yeah, I mean, you know, sure, you know, um, some certain points that were you know, that were decent, but uh, overall, I wasn't really a fan of this, a fan of the execution uh, of the segment last week on Dynamite at all. Politely put, Jake, it stunk. As simple as that, it stunk. Because whoever came up with that has no idea of what they're doing. All the points that you made, it gave Mox, mate, it's made Moxley and Danielson, two of the four biggest stars now, including MJF remaining, look stupid. Absolutely stupid. It makes them look foolish and weak, uh, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, so. it's just absolutely stupid. As they're doing it, you can see it coming. You can see it coming a mile off. Little signs should have come on the crowd in the background. There's about to be a heel turn. Um, just, and I think it was done, I personally think that re they finalised 
what they were going to do with Regal at the last minute, and they didn't know what to do. But it does give, give MJF the, 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 the full-blown heel turn, to, so he's he's going to get more more of a heelish reaction than than a face reaction because of what he's done to, done to Regal if they keep it fresh in their minds. Now, you mentioned him going to WWE in the 2004, 24 mentions, Billy Moore, etc. If he goes to WWE, he's stupid because his character will not flesh in the WWE. It won't because it's too family-friendly. At least AEW has a little bit of an edge where he can get away with the odd profanity. He can get away with the odd really nasty comment about the other wrestlers, families, etc. He can't get away with that in the WWE, so he loses his edge as a heel. It's not going to fit well in the overly scripted environment. I mean, yes, no. there there are there are a couple like you know like genuine promos here and there, but overall, it's still a a yeah. a overly scripted environment in WWE, and you know, uh, not much change in that aspect, uh, especially since you know Paul Levesque took over. So, I mean, I agree with you. You know, yeah, sure, WWE are the big leagues. Uh, it's it's not it's not wrong to assume that, but you know, the big leagues doesn't always mean that you'll get the best character. <laughs> You know, gentlemen, I agree with both of you. Now, going back to the original point you had, Jake, I felt like, you know, when a director has two endings to the movie, they don't know which one they want to do, they decide, oh, hey, we'll do both. Because I felt like the one with Moxley in the ring telling Regal to hit the turf and run would have been just fine. That's a good way to write Regal off. We didn't need to see him with MJ after the following week. But somebody in AEW decided, I don't know which one I want to do. Let's do both. Let's just entertain the crowd with this segment here. We have MJF. And it makes Regal look like a complete idiot because Regal should have saw this coming. Because this, yeah. this is Lord Regal. He's the master of being a hill. He should have saw this hill turn coming. He should have saw this. He should have seen this coming. And you know, uh, Max said it himself. Like he, he's, uh, you know, he mentioned that Regal told him that he's got a lot to learn. But he made a deal with the devil. There will be a little bit of an update. Uh, probably is going to be more K, more of a kayfabe update. Uh, but uh, AEW did issue a press release and noted that William Regal's status will be addressed on the uh, Ring of Honor Final Battle media call uh, on Wednesday. Uh, going into the show so it'll be pretty interesting to see uh what will, what will be said there uh but uh yeah i mean you know i just wasn't a fan of the execution of the of the segment at all i mean it just made just made it didn't make uh, anyone look good in my opinion i mean sure you know mgf good got a couple of pointers there but you know it, the logic was not there like i can't stress it enough like too many like plot holes that were not filled and um yeah i mean uh it's still left a uh, Many fans confused, in my opinion. So, now getting to your MJF to WWE point, you know MJF reminds me of EC3 about four years ago when he was coming off that hot yeah. run in Impact Wrestling, point. and he goes sure. up to NXT. And I was one. I was thinking like he's going to hit this out of the park. He's got his character down packed. It seems like Triple H and WWE are behind EC3 coming over. He gets on the main roster. He sits in catering for like four months. And he's and yeah, after a few months, he's on main event. <laughs> EC3 turned out to be on main event, so. <laughs> yeah. I am the proud owner of the one and only EC3 WWE T-shirt. I have one. <laughs> I don't know. If that's something to be. I don't know if that's something to be proud of these days. So. Oh, uh, true. But at the time, I thought it was a good idea. Okay, point noted. <laughs> okay, Jimin. Standing question number two. We kind of touched about it on the control center as well. I'm gonna ask you, Jimin. What is the legacy of Dustin Rose as he's wrapping up his in-ring career? Probably one of the most versatile uh, bodies of work that I've ever seen. 
and uh, overall, like uh, you can argue, pretty underrated as well. Um, he's 53 right now, so he's the age of my dad. So, <laughs> and he's still having some decent matches. Nothing uh, wrong with that age. Yeah, so. yeah, nothing wrong with that age. So yeah, still having some good matches on Rampage, uh, and having a great match recently with Claudio Castagnoli. So yeah, I mean, uh, nothing, nothing else can be said. So yeah, I mean, want to wish the best to uh, to Dustin right there. You said it, big word, Jake, underrated, talented, hugely talented, had his dad's gifts, um, and ironically, in recent years, he's now probably lost some of the spotlight to his brother, his younger brother, but um, in my opinion, he's the better of the two uh, as, as a professional wrestler, hugely underrated, and um, it'll, it'll be a miss to the wrestling industry, surely. Yeah. Do you think uh, he needed the world championship, uh David, in, in like in any sort of capacity, or do you think uh, his character didn't really uh, no, require it? Them. Certainly in AEW, certainly as they come into AEW, I think they could be, obviously you've got to look his brother, his younger brother likes a bit of the, does like a bit of the limelight. He, he's very political, and mm. I suppose he gave a, his answer was giving him his brother a job, but yeah, he was for me, he could have been, he could have carried it very, very easily. Okay, so I'm gonna go with. You know what? He didn't really need a world championship. He's kind of like Mr. Perfect, solid in-ring wrestler <laughs> who was so over with his character as Go does. He didn't need the world title to draw heat or be one of fan favorites. You know, he was either love or hated. He had the ability to switch that crowd whatsoever way he wanted to. Yeah, same as Scott Hall and Razor Ramon. So, like, you know, they <laughs> so amazing characters that uh, probably didn't need the world championship. So, yeah. Now, what I'm going to remember about Dustin as he's wrapping rough, his career up is, like, can you imagine being underneath that shadow that was the shadow that his father cast over? He was just a legendary wrestler in his own right, uh, Dusty Rose, and here comes his son into the same profession at, like, 16, 17, 18 into WCW. And I can't imagine how, how, what the pressure was and how he had to deal with that day in, day out. And over the course of a 20-plus like a year career, Dustin has made his own mark in the industry. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really agree with you right there. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, probably got out of that shadow, uh, and especially literally, too, because I know that uh, in a couple of uh, old WWF segments in the 90s, like he did, uh, he did like some impersonations uh, of, of Dusty uh, in, in, in a shadow-like theater. So he did, he, he definitely overcame that, uh, came that literally, too. <laughs> okay, Jim, studying question number three. We are just mere days away from ROH final battle and the main event is chris jericho versus claudio casanova part two gentlemen who should come out of this match as rlh world champion so we expect this to be the main event of final battle uh this saturday and uh, the stipulation is if uh claudio loses um he will have to join the the jas the jericho appreciation society i mean to be honest with you i just i just can't see jericho uh losing the title and uh it might be pretty interesting to see maybe claudio have some sort of like refresh and refresh and see what he can do when when he's so conflicted when joining the JAS. So I wouldn't be too against that that idea as well, um, because like you know like some like some will say that you know the uh, the Blackpool Combat Club has gotten uh, a little stale as of late. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean it would be foolish to have Jericho uh, lose his title at this point. So yeah, what Jake said. Hart says uh, Claudio. Booking head says Jericho. Um, and then you've got the uh, angst of uh, Claudio in JAS instead. And it helps break up the Blackpool Combat Club with what we've discussed with Regal. Um, so, yeah, Jericho wins. I, I, I think it'll be decent. 
I'm looking forward to it. Final battle's always decent. Um, I, I can't recall ever seeing a bad final battle. Um, and, and they've sold a few tickets for it as well, so hopefully there'll be a decent crowd in there, you know, to, to add to it. Yeah, it's a pretty decent card, too. you got Daniel Garcia versus Wheeler Yuta, uh, Mercedes Martinez versus Athena, uh, Joe versus Juice Robinson. Now, that'll be a pretty that'll be a pretty intriguing match for me. So, as well as Swerve in our glory uh, and Shane Taylor and J.D. Griffey. So, um, and pretty interesting to look forward to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this final battle come up here Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern. I will be definitely checking it out. Now, gentlemen, let's move on to our next stunning question. Okay, last weekend in North Carolina, we saw Ricky the Dragon return to the ring as he teamed up with FTR as they took on the team of Brock Anderson, Jay Lethal, and a national treasure, Nick Aldis. I think me and David have seen this match. Jake, have you seen this match? Yeah, I saw the entire match uh, yesterday, uh, uh, last night, and might be a little biased, uh, but... Uh... I think old fans and new fans should go should go out of their way to uh, watch this match. I mean, you know, you got Ricky Steamboat, the Dalton Arena, uh, the Dragons' last match as of now, and <laughs> he looked pretty. Yeah, I mean, he looked good. I mean, definitely better than um, <clears throat> uh, Flair's last match. Uh, it's probably like a low bar right there, uh, but he still connects to the crowd like no other, and. It, it looks and moves like he's still got a few years left in the ring. I mean, especially that takedown arm drag, takedown arm drag, say it uh, backwards, arm drag takedown, Jay Lethal, and he connected that very well. And and, and props to Lethal as well for uh, also making also making uh, Ricky uh, look good as well. I mean, he's he, he really is talented help uh, and helping uh, others in the ring too. Yeah, what Jake said, I can't add any more of that. He's a legend. And um, uh, again, going back, I, this is one guy... But the first time I definitely saw him um, was WCW Worldwide. I can't believe that's three times in one podcast I've referenced that television. <laughs> WCW Worldwide. Um, but yeah, um, legend, absolute legend. And um, if he, if it is, obviously wrestling retirements are taken with a pinch of salt. Um, it was certainly way, way better than players last match. Jake's bang on. Um, in fact, it was a pretty decent match, to be fair. And, and there was a lot of reasons for it because you had some talent in there that looked after Ricky. I mean, uh, tagging with FTR too, so you can't go. Yeah, FTR. That. You got you got Kingsland's finest in there, mate. That's all you need. You you know you only need Aldis in there to make me happy. But yeah, it was brilliant. And um, good luck to him, Shawnee. Yeah, I, I just want to say, I just want to ask it to you guys. Uh, what do you? Uh, no, talking about the legacy of Ricky Steamboat, which uh, which do you think was the better match? Uh, was it Savage versus Steamboat or Flair versus Steamboat? Flair for me. Flair. Flair Steamboat matches were brilliant. Yeah, no. That's a no-brainer. Sorry, Joe. Yeah. Flair, yeah. Flair Steamboat for me as well. Uh, well, first of all, they have three matches, and uh, all three of them, it just, it just felt like it was ahead of its time uh, as yeah. well. So. Exactly, gentlemen. I agree with you. If I wanted to show somebody who's not a wrestling fan why I love professional wrestling, I'm like, hey, go to YouTube, check out Ricky Steamboat versus Ric Flair, watch the trilogy. If you don't understand why wrestling is so cool, this is why it's cool. This is when it was done right, and the, there are two messers at their crafts. And for the show this past weekend, as soon as I heard the first note of Ricky Steamboat's music, I got chills down yeah. my spine. Oh, and gosh. I, was, I was ready to go. 
And you guys were right. Guys that were in a ring with, with Ricky Steamboat were the guys that need to be in there. FTR is a good team to team up with. They know how to lay out a match. Jay Lethal knows how to lay out a match. What about Jay Lethal? He's had one heck of a 2022. He's wrestled Ric Flair and Steamboat in the same year. One of the most underrated talents, in my opinion, too. So, and. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, definitely an eventful 2022 for him. So, yeah, I mean, uh, can't say enough about, about Jay Lethal. Uh, yeah, I mean, and regarding, you know, Ricky, yeah, you know, as you said, David, uh, take it for a pinch of salt. Uh, you know, Tony Khan did say that I would love to have Ricky Steamboat back in AEW anytime. So I think the idea of having a, ma- having a match in AEW, it's probably, it's probably not the, not, probably not the, the slightest of, of ideas out there, to be honest with you. So let's see. Now, on his card is the number match I want to point out is uh, Brian Pillman Jr. versus um, Kerry Morton, and it's for the NWA Junior Heavyweight title. It's another match where it's two second-generation stars, and they're on the rise. It's, you guys should go watch that, because I was kind of entertained with that match, too. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I'll definitely take your word for it, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and uh, Brian Pillman Jr., uh, I would love, you know, uh, I can't wait to see him uh, next couple of weeks, because he is going to come back to uh, our local indie here in Chicago, uh, Warrior Wrestling. And uh, the the few times I've seen him, he's been pretty good. And uh, uh, and then the next card that is going to be in the 17th here in Chicago, Eddie Kingston's going to be involved too, and then Brian Pillman Jr. is going to be involved too. So, say what you want about TV wrestling, uh, I'd say the Indies are are uh, really entertaining to watch, uh, at least for me here in the Chicagoland area. So. <laughs> Okay, Jim, we're moving over to our fifth study question. It comes from New Japan Pro Wrestling. As we're wrapping up 2022, it's been a kind of up and down year for Ibushi. And reports now are that his contract runs out in January. So, gentlemen, where do we see Ibushi in 2023? Um, I would say he'll, I would say he'll sort it out with Gato and, uh, Gato, sorry, and um, end up staying there. I don't think... Who's going to have him? Um, AEW will be the favorite. WWE are not interested in New Japan wrestling, and he's not going to as, as talented as, as as he is, and as enjoyable as he is, he isn't going to fire up the card on AEW. So I think he's got to be realistic and stay there. Yeah, I mean that's not a bad point too. I mean he is he is forty now, so uh, I mean it's kind of shocking to me because he doesn't, he doesn't even look like forty to me. <laughs> but no. uh, you know, yeah, what yeah, what other options are there uh, for him? I mean. I will. Lo- I mean, personally, as a selfish fan, I would love to see Kenny Omega and Ibushi uh, team up together uh, at least one more time uh, as the Gold of Lovers. Uh, but well, yeah. I mean, I don't see him uh, doing a lot. I don't see him honestly doing a lot more uh, in the world of professional wrestling, uh, at least uh, at least any longer, in my opinion. You know, gentlemen, I was thinking about this question and the fact that Omega's going over to New Japan for Wrestle Kingdom kind of gives a tip here. I feel like Ibushi's going to stay with with uh, New Japan for Wrestling because I feel like Omega wouldn't go over unless he knew for sure his friend was taken care of. And Jake, I agree with you. i like to see Ibushi and Omega team up again and you could bring them over to AEW <sighs> for Forbidden Door 2 and have them wrestle FTR for the titles or whoever you want to. Yeah, sure. It's like, you know, uh, I mean, they have. I mean, uh, AEW has the relationship with New Japan, so it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely uh, a good option right there too. Okay, Jimin, sixth and final standing question, and this might be the one where we all start yelling at each other. As I want to know, gentlemen, who are your five stunning greatest tag teams of all time? Oh gosh, uh, let's start with the veteran first uh, with David. 
Okay, well, I, I put, I mean, we have a little, obviously, we have a little massive strength, and I put mine out there. And all I'm going to do, these are in no particular order, um, okay. but I, I might weigh in when the others come out, because I'm going to be intrigued for yours, Jay, because I've seen, if you'll pardon the expression, I've seen Sean's, and Sean and myself have gone very territorial. We've gone very local to us and very historic. Yeah, for mine, just a little bit of a preview, I did. Do some, I did do teams that I, I grew up with, uh, for yeah. at least for the top spots. But uh, yeah, go ahead first. But these are in no particular order, and I'm going to go down them. Three of them will be perfectly clear to, to any wrestling fan, and two of them I'm just going to put a little bit of meat on the bones. So this is in no particular order. British Bulldogs, the Midnight Express, the Fabulous Freebirds, and then two unique British teams that I watched. The Swords of Essex, which I'll come on to and it will become clear, and the Royal Brothers. Now, the Royal Brothers were from the World of Sport days, but genuine real-life brothers, as it, so it works better. Bert Royal and Vic Faulkner, as their names were, but they're actually both. They're actually um, Faulkner, the Faulkner brothers, but they were known as the uh, the Royal Brothers. Whereas you had two gentlemen. Bert Royal was a Bret Hart-style technician, and Vic Faulkner was, whilst he wasn't particularly big, they were about the same size was the nasty, feisty one who'd lose his temper if he was up against a heel who cheated. And as a kid, watching them work together in the ring gave me my first love of tag team wrestling, where a love of tag team wrestling came from. And it was the old World of Sport days where on Saturday afternoon, the whole of the UK stopped. They watched ITV World of Sport from four till five because they showed coverage of a British wrestling event. And so the Royal Brothers were my first memory of a proper tag team of what have come out to be a tag team. Now, the Swords of Essex, let me put a bit of meat on the bones. There was three actual wrestlers who wrestled, wrestled under the names of Swords of Essex. One was a guy called um, Will Goldsmith. And the, the, another permanent, permanent member, he was swapped, uh, was Paul Robinson, who I absolutely love. He's had a lot of runs in progress. Um, an absolutely skinny, six foot, 12 stone, but like built wiry, a bit like Karen Noir, and he's nasty. He is one of the nastiest and best heels I've ever seen. But when I say that his partner was in his fledgling career, a certain William Osprey, you'll know why the Swords of Essex appealed to me as, as someone going around watching the British Indies. They appeared, appeared a bit in progress. They've only had a two or three year run, um, appeared a lot in a failed, horrible wrestling promotion called What Culture Wrestling. But they were one of the, the highlights of What Culture because they beat the Bucks, they beat Matt Riddle, and I'm trying to think who Riddle was with at the time. Um, and they beat a lot of big names in, in, in their performance. And I thoroughly saw them live many times, and I thoroughly, thoroughly yeah. enjoyed them. Yeah, what yeah. culture pro wrestling? I, I actually remember that. So they they had a show with uh, Jim Ross and Jim Cornette on commentary, and uh, it was it, it was kind of yeah, it was kind of like yeah, a I know I know the one you're talking about because Cornette was overdoing a tour, and they offered he talks about it, and they offered him apparently a fortune just to go up and call one night's wrestling. Um, and he said he only did it because he knew JR was with him, and because he didn't know half half the talent, and it was a little bit cosplay for him, as he would say himself. Obviously, the Bulldogs, the Midnight Express, and the Freebirds speak for themselves, and I'm not even going to touch that. Do you want to go with Jake or Sean next? Jake, do you need some more thinking time? Oh uh, no, I have it. Uh, I'll just, I'll just probably make it more simple here. Um, for me, uh, I'll just go from five to one uh, in sending orders. So, 
five for me, I I honestly think they are that good. Uh, it's FTR, and because like it, because like you know, I, I I mean, ever since when I first saw them in NXT, uh, they were that, and when they're having their beginner their first chops there, they were that they were that great. And I will never forget uh, in what finally well, what they did to finally grab me onto them as a tag team was the was NXT Takeover Toronto in 2016 uh, when uh, when they had the two out of three falls match against uh, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, it was like it was definitely one of the best tag team matches I ever seen in my life. And uh, those two and all four of those guys uh, raised the roof off the place and all brought it down in the ring. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the beginning. Like, that's why FTR, I would say, is one of the uh, one of the greatest tag teams uh, for me. And, you know, say what you want about the Young Bucks, uh, but they, I mean, uh, but every time, every time they face the Young Bucks, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a piece of magic. So, um, yeah, FTR, uh, FTR, um, uh, obviously for me, it will be my number five. So, uh, my number four, uh, and I'm, I'm a little bit biased because I'm a Bret Hart guy, uh, but I love Jim Neidhart as well. The Hart Foundation, uh, th- those two, uh, yeah, very well, well-rounded in the ring and uh and very well de- uh, well uh, put out promos as well uh you got you know Jim Neidhart so charismatic uh especially in the early 90s and you know and and you see and you see Brett uh uh doing his uh doing his beginning stuff uh, there in the WWF as well and uh, you can't go wrong uh, with the Hart Foundation in my opinion uh my number 3 will be Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson the Rock and Roll Express uh because like when I first saw, uh, when I first saw Jim Crockett Promotions, when I was uh, obviously I wasn't uh, I wasn't around at the time, but uh, when I saw it in the WWE 24/7 channel, uh, they were uh, they were the uh, they were the act that really stood out to me, and uh, ha- and had some tremendous uh, tremendous programs, especially against Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express, as well as the Anderson, uh, the Andersons, uh, the, uh, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew with Ole and Arn Anderson. They had a spectacular cage match uh, when it was in, in I believe, it was in Greensboro, uh, North Carolina. And uh, yeah, I mean, and look at look at the Rock and Roll Express. I mean, they're still around today. <laughs> and still, and you see Ricky Morton still doing flips off, uh, doing Hurricane Rana's off the top rope, uh, especially during his age. And, and, uh, wow. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely, uh, definitely put them high there. I mean, yeah, they, I mean, they, they deserve to be up there in my opinion as, as, uh, as an all time great tag team. My, um, my top two, uh, the reason I put these guys here is because like, this is the first time I saw, uh, this is during the time I first saw a uh, professional wrestling as a kid, uh, as a young lad. And, uh, they were involved in the, uh, the TLC Renaissance, as I would call it, uh, of you know, the tables, ladders, and chairs. Uh, when I first saw, when I first, when I first saw my first WrestleMania, at WrestleMania, which is WrestleMania 17 on VHS, I was in awe of what these guys can do in the ring. So my number two would be Bubba Ray and Devon, the Dudley Boys. These guys are two badasses. Uh, you know, they never take never take crap from no one. And uh, yeah, I mean. Definitely, uh, definitely a one of the most decorated tag teams in my opinion, and uh, probably and and they, they even said themselves won the most tag team titles out of uh, out of all the uh, the tag teams out there too. So yeah, the Dudley Boys and and to see what they've uh, see what one of them has evolved into uh, with the uh, with Bubba Ray, uh, see it so gifted in the mic as well and so charismatic. So yeah, I'd definitely say my number two would be the Dudley Boys. My number one 
uh, would be Matt and Jeff Hardy, uh, Team Extreme, the Hardy Boys, uh, because uh, they, as a as a child growing up, uh, I would always mark out uh, whenever I see them, and um, these these guys are like so cool uh, to me <laughs> to me growing up, and I would and yeah, I mean so much you know, so much flash and. Uh, so much uh, coolness that is uh, that is inside of them as well. So, and obviously Jeff, obviously Jeff, uh, one of the most one of the most outstanding in the ring. And uh, I'll never forget uh, when he the uh, the uh, the bomb off the ladder onto uh, I, I believe it was Edge uh, at the first ever TLC match. Uh, and I'll never forget that moment as well when I first saw that. So, yeah. So those are my uh, top five tag teams right there. Okay, Jevin, I had posted mine to. RPW Sean on Twitter and I kind of cheated because I don't have five in my top five I got seven tag teams allow me to explain okay <laughs> I have a tie at number five I'm going back to early 1990 WCW there were two teams two African-American tag teams who were pretty dominant in this era the first one being Doom that was Ron Simmons Butch Reed and they would feud with the Steiners off and on for the world tag team titles in WCW the look of them Coming down to the ring, before we knew who they were, it was kind of cool and mysterious, and they were badass. And Harlem Heat, what can I say about Harlem Heat? It's Booker T, Stevie Ray. They came into WCW right before it got kicked off with Nitro. I first saw them in like, the Global Force Wrestling Federation out of Houston in the early 90s on ESPN, where they were the Ebony Express. A bird tag team, they were pretty freaking good there, and they came into WCW, and they were great heels, and when the NWO came around, they were one of the tag teams that fight the Outsiders, as, and Harlem Heat was faces, and I thought that was pretty freaking cool. Okay, so my number four tag team, I already talked about them, it's Rick Steiner, Scott Steiner, it's the Steiner Brothers. I live in Knoxville, Tennessee, it's basically in WCW country, and the most WCW tag team of the 1990s were Rick and Scott Steiner. They are two Michigan wrestlers, All-Americans, and they were the top babyface tag team of the promotion. And they went to the WWF and had success. They're one of the few tag teams that would flip-flop between both promotions and have success. So I'm up to number three, and Jake, I'm with you. It's the Hart Foundation. You cannot think of 1990s professional wrestling in WWF thinking the tag team division, and it was loaded, but one tag team stood up to the rest it was jim the anvil Nightheart, and bret hart and with them with jimmy hart as a heel tag team unit was amazing but when they turned face and they got rid of jimmy i think they kicked it to a new gear and it led to the amazing single career that bret hart had okay so i got a joint number two and to me you can trace the modern tag team wrestling to these two tag teams it's the midnight express it's the rock and roll express they basically created a format of tag team wrestling in the modern era, and you can at me at it. I feel like they are two of the foundation of modern tag team wrestling. And my number one tag team, ooh, what a rush. It's the Royal Warriors. Just like when I said I get chills when I hear Ricky the Dragon Seabolt's music, every time I heard the Royal Warriors music and when I was a kid watching WCW or WWF, I'm like, here comes two guys. They're going to beat up whoever got in front of them. And they could either be heels. Was, I really didn't enjoy them as heels as much as I did as faces. I thought they were better face at, especially when they fought the Russians. But Animal and Hawk, to me, they were the tag team of the 1980s. Yeah, I mean, and also, uh, uh, God, rest, uh, God rest their souls, uh, too. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're uh, both Animal and Hawk. I mean, can't can't go can't go wrong with those guys, too. 
Good choices, gents. Um, as I said, a lot of them crossed my radar, but I just went personal. Um, the Hart Foundation, I was particularly good to leave out, but I had to. Um, you've gone very, very nice, Jake. Um, we never even mentioned, Edge and Christian never really even got a mention, you know, particularly for their contributions in the, that ladder match TLC uh, trilogy that you talked about. Yeah, it's a good choice, gents. You know, guys, it's kind of hard to do these lists because you got so much personal bias because, with, especially with me, I literally went to the 80s and 90s. And if I said current era of professional wrestling tag teams, yes, FTR would be in there. The Young Bucks would be in there. I would put yeah. Edge and Christian into the modern era as one of the best tag teams as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, especially with, uh, with Edge um, having having his first chops there and as a stepping stone for him uh, to as, as one at tag team, obviously. So, yeah, I mean... Especially that uh, bump off the ladder when he when he speared off Jeff Hardy on the top uh, on uh, when he was clinging to the titles. So you yeah, can't go wrong with that too. Jake, that has to be one of the most iconic spots in WWF slash WWE history. Oh, absolutely, yeah, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have made it to the end of another edition of Radio Free for Fresher Wrestling. Before we go, let's do some amends here. Please go over to our Facebook group, Radio Free for Fresher Wrestling. Where once you join, you can help us decide the 2023 Winston Awards, which will be coming out to you as our Christmas gift on December 25th. Christmas, we'll be releasing our special year-end award show. Please check that out. Also, while you're at it, go over and follow us on Instagram at Radio Free PW, where I have put up the full interview that I did last week with Mia Smith. I feel like it's one of my best interviews that I personally have done. You can also follow <laughs> us on Twitter at Radio Free PW. Gentlemen, where can we find you on the Information Superhighway? In the Information Superhighway, you can just follow me simply on Twitter, at Jake Allenar, and on Instagram, at jakeallenar.mp4. And it's a pleasure to be uh, here with you guys again here on Radio Free Professional Wrestling. Big Dud 6, uh, Dee Brightley uh, on, tw- on the Twitter thingy, Dewberry Firkin, David J. Brightley on Facebook. And if I get an extra extra 10 followers this week, I should post naked pictures of the three of us. Hell no. Do the ladies really want to see, this in the, see us in that? Oh, God, yeah. God, they do, Jake, yeah. Really? Bear in uh, mind, you bring the average age of the group down to 74. Uh, okay, I'll take your word for it, probably. But <laughs> what an end. Sean, save us. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please join us somehow this Saturday for RPW World Sports. We'll be recording yes. probably hours before England versus France, and we'll figure out if, if I know where my butter's breaded or not and which team I pick. I'll just leave it to then, okay? But until we see you next time, maybe this is me and Jake because somebody might get canceled. Stay stunning. Brother. This is Sergeant Arms of Christina on behalf of the guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please head over to Apple Podcast and leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next time, the liberation continues.